We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guess who's back? Back again. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds. Swolders is back. Back again. Not much, man. How was Vegas? It was great. We had a good time. Um, Still adjusting. You know, if there's one thing I could say, it's uh, don't do a three-hour time change on the same weekend that you also lose an hour of sleep. I was about to ask. I was like, "How did that go?" It's still, it's still going. I mean, I think I slept till like one o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, just like trying to adjust. I can't wait for them. To, I can't wait to get rid of daylight savings time, man. When I was deployed and they didn't have daylight savings time there, dude, things went so smooth. So, just letting you know, there are places that don't observe it, and I don't understand why we observe it. I can do away with it and be I'm sure. Fine. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's not Utah. Maybe it's Arizona. Joel, let me know. But I'm pretty sure one of those two um, don't don't observe. Ruth says you've got some explaining to do. Lucy, missed our birthdays. Sorry, Ruth. Man, oh man, he he was trying to make some money for you. One second. Oh. 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 As this ugly mug is on the on the video screen, uh, we wait patiently. This could get interesting. This could get interesting for Mr. Roots. Could this be a recap from what happened Friday? Well, what Roots wanted for his birthday, the the suspense is building. Roots, take a guess on what it is. For those listening on podcasts, this is why I, I'm sorry to announce this, but uh, Friday. Rude's birthday, and maybe we get to see. This is why sometimes being live is Rude's is too much suspense. This is the this is the perks of doing live show, folks. Uh, But anyways, as as you know, Kobe decides to come back whenever he does. Got a lot to talk about. Spring uh, spring ball starts tomorrow. Um, You know, spring ball starting tomorrow. We talked about the. 
we talked about the key position battles, but I, I want to go a little bit deeper than that, right? I think we're going to do that a little bit. And with that being said, right, what does it mean? Right, There's a lot that goes into spring camp, uh, obviously culminating into G-Day, right? Uh, before we get started, let's bring up a perfect time to bring in our sponsor, Apotheos. Apotheos coffee is some of the best coffee I've ever had. I, I can assure you that J-O-double-G will vouch for that, I'm assuming as well. Uh, listen, go to uh, go to www.dgdpodcast.com forward slash apotheos. Check out their coffee uh, selection. Get you however many bags of coffee you want. And every bag of coffee that you get using this link up here at the top will get uh, 20% of each bag will go, uh, you know, will go towards the Classic City Collective. That is uh, something Apotheos does because they are the official coffee and cold brew. Uh, partner of the Classic City Collective, so that all 21 sports are present and accounted for. Uh, check them out at Apotheos uh, Roastery on Instagram or Apotheos Coffee on Twitter. Give them a follow both platforms, folks. Check it out. Uh, listen, while we do that right there, let's get started with some questions. So I want to ask some questions for the chat here. What are you most excited about for spring camp? Also, check, click, you know, select the poll, right? I opened up a poll. Are you excited? I, I think this should be 100, 100% to 0%. This should be. Um, let's see. Rudes asks, will we see Mount Rushmore of Dog Nation? Hmm, I don't know. That is an excellent question. Excellent question. I do want to take some time here and also look at the spring camp and it's, it's going to be interesting, right? Because you have to select a little bit of time to, you know, to really make an impact, uh, you know, around positions, right? I, I don't want to harp on what we talked about last episode, but you kind of do, right? Uh, Rudes asked, uh, who rises up in the secondary uh, to replace Ringo and Chris Smith? And, you know, for me, Right. Obviously, we have several guys. This is this this is why I think the spring camp is so important because spring camp, and we'll talk to Kobe about this in just a minute too, just to kind of get a feel for what exactly is the composition of this. But the thought for me is this is a perfect time for guys to get about equal amount of reps, right, across the board. Uh, you know, to see who really, you know, has will separate. And, you know, in my opinion, I think you look at a guy like Dalen Everett. Uh, I'm not saying he will, uh, but I definitely think that is something to to monitor. I, I think he has a really good shot um, to do that. When when you also take a look at replacing Chris Smith, right, you got Dan Jackson coming back, but will he be able to, you know, to practice this spring? That's going to be a question that we'll have to watch out for. It could be a storyline to see. Uh, but if not, I think you look at guys like David Daniel or Jonel Aguero. Jonel Aguero is looking to be one of these freshmen that could make an impact early. And then that's, again, that's a testament to the recruiting and development. I think we'll, we'll see that. Um, Rude says, or Rude's ask, I should say, uh, does Nyland Green finally see the field? Listen, he's got every shot to do it. Um, 
we're about to find out. I, I think at the conclusion of spring practice and G-Day, we'll see. Um, but I definitely think he's got a pretty damn good shot. I mean, he's he's waited his turn, busted his ass on special teams. We saw that. But, you know, hopefully he's at a situation where, you know, you're not, you know, pushed and buried uh, underneath. I don't want that to happen for anyone, but unfortunately that's just – the way of the business sometimes. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, and, and Rude's also coming in hot with these, uh, with 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 some of these. But the O line shuffle, you know, who are the number twos, right? The backups. I think we kind of have a feel for the starting roles. I mean, outside of some, you know, maybe the tackle spots, but you know, but obviously the backup. Like, who's going to back up a tackle, right? Could you see a guy like Blasky or someone else? You don't really, really don't know. Uh, so obviously a, there's a lot of storyline there is to see what kind of offensive line depth you've got, right? You guys, you know, Juan had mentioned, you know, guys like Bobo and Griffin Scroggs, like where do they stand moving into the spring? You know, uh, a lot, this is a good time for a lot of rotation to see, you know, just see who fits and who plays well chemistry, you know, from a chemistry standpoint, who meshes well together and who, and what units work the best. Right. So, you know, in that case, it's going to get interesting. But obviously you look at guys that I think have solidified the their starting spot is, you know, I, I think Cedric Van Pran, there's no there's no doubt he's he, he's the guy. Tate Rattledge is another guy. Whoa. Sorry about that. We're breaking out of we're breaking out of the prison. Everybody's seen. So the the new landlord needed some information. Uh Oh, moving on up. No, we were so I was sitting there talking about um, before before you hop back on. We talked about you know some storylines, right? Uh, Roots dropping a lot of comments talking about um, you know seeing if Nyland Green finally sees a field offensive line shuffle. I'll let you ch- uh, let you take a look at these comments and see if you want to speak on some of these, man. All right, let me scroll down on them. Here we go. Who rises up in the secondary? Replace Ringo and Chris Smith. Well, I think safety is pretty um, going to be a pretty tight battle. I mean, I think you already have Malachi Starks. Dan Jackson's coming back. He's going to be fully healthy. Um, you know, Bowie, Smoke Bowie is coming in from Texas A&M. I know he plays safety slash star. So, to me, like, that's a name you're going to see. And then Tyke Smith as well for safety slash star. You know, he's really a guy that's kind of flown under the radar here. But, I mean. He was all American at West Virginia before he he came to Georgia. He's dealt with some injuries, you know, kind of been lost in the shuffle. But I mean, you know, he's a guy that if he can play to the level he played at West Virginia, he he's gonna be a really really good player for us. Um, yeah, no doubt. Let's see, Ringo. Who replaces Ringo? I would say probably Dalen Everett right now would be the like pre spring practice favorite. I, I think. Um, that's just my opinion. The O-line shuffle, who are the twos? That's a good question. I'd have to look. It'll be interesting to see who, like, practices for spring practice, what the depth chart looks like, and then what the portal looks like at the end of May going into the next season. Because I really think <laughs> you're getting to the point in some guys' careers that, you know, they're juniors, they're third-year juniors, they have two years of eligibility left, like, you know, if or maybe even more. Um, they're kind of seeing the writing on the wall of like, okay, I may only get to play here a year, 
maybe two. Um, it's it's time for me to kind of move on and go somewhere that I can see the field. Um, Nylon Green, I think, would be the other name at that corner besides Dalen Everett, if I remember right. I'm pretty sure Nylon plays corner. Um, yeah. Are you, I mean, you still got. I mean, you still got guys. Uh, you know, you're looking at Dalen Everett. You're looking at Nylon Green. I think you look at um, uh, like uh, what was it? AJ Harris. I think is another guy that could really, as a true freshman, could make some waves. Uh, Daniel Harris. They're, 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 this is a, a good problem to have, right? There's For sure. Uh, you know, I, I do want to ask you a question though. I, I think, obviously, I think there's some key spots, but there are some names that I'm curious about. And when you look at the offensive line, like I talked a little bit about it, right? The the tackle spot, right? I think you look at Mims, Trust is probably a guy that you're expected to start, Cedric Van Pran, Tate. That fifth ta- that tackle spot, right? You know, I think, you know, there's a lot of people thinking that, you know, you have uh, Ernest Green. And I think Ernest Green is going to be a bad dude. But when you look at the guys behind him, or, or guys that's been here before him, I should say, like Blasky, right? I think Blasky. Blasky has that multi-tool type mentality where he could play at tackle spot and be just fine too. And that dude, listen, I don't know what it is, but when you when you come out of high school as a wrestler and you have that wrestling background, I think that translates very well with offensive linemen. It just, it's just, you know, that the flexibility, the, you know, things like that, you know, cause you look at, you know, you look at Blasky and you look at Fairchild as another one. Both of those guys have wrestling backgrounds, state champion wrestlers, if I'm not mistaken, and arguably some of the most violent guys when it comes to, you know, blocking and, and Fairchild is probably the strongest guy on the team. Like dude is ridiculously strong. So when you look at the offensive line, this is what I'm excited for because, you and you've experienced this spring practice opens up a I feel like a genuine competition to let just wars bleed out for several practices with the fact that you've got so many guys along the offensive line fine for a few spots at best this could get like not in a bad way but this could get ugly like there's gonna be there's gonna be some wars on the offensive line who, I guess for this, is, is from your perspective, who are you most excited about to see along the offensive line and, and where they're at uh, come, you know, through the duration of spring camp? Yeah, I'm actually interested in seeing, um, you know, I think you've heard a lot about Ernest Green at tackle. I think that, that that's a big name you've heard a lot about. But I would be interested to hear, um, and this would just purely be to, like, change things up would be the fact can can trust move outside if we needed him to can he play that right tackle because it's always going to be easier to replace a guard than it is going to be a tackle because you just don't leave guards on an island that often so at some point like you're saying you know if if things are by second week you know don't don't be mistaken trust is going to be getting some right tackle reps to see if he can play out there and if they think he can, then, you know, you basically have a free-for-all, like you're saying, at left guard. Because you're right. Blasky, Fairchild, Micah Morris, all these people, they all can play left guard. That's an easy, that's an easy place to plug somebody and go, 
hey, you're going to play left guard. Right tackle, left tackle, probably right tackle, though. I'd imagine yeah. that, you know, Mims will move to left. But, you know, that, that's just not an easy place to plug and play. You know, that that's going to be a position that that position battle will not be fully over until probably a week before um, the first game. And even then, with the You might see it rotate through the season. Yes. <laughs> what the schedule is through the first four games, I mean, you could see a different guy start at right tackle all four games. With a new quarterback, though, I feel like that would be a little bit nerve-wracking because you want that cohesion. But at the same time, Georgia's that talented. I think our quarterbacks are that talented that it might not necessarily matter too much. You're Okay, I'll put it this way. You're only going to rotate if you believe it's the offensive line coach. They can handle it. Like, you're not going to put a guy out there that's going to be a liability for your quarterback. Yeah. At that point, you already know it's not his job. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Rude's asked about Michael Morris. Listen, Michael Morris is going to play a lot. He's going to play. Dude's too good not to play. Him and Fairchild both. Him and Fairchild both are too good not to play, which worries me. Right, because Georgia has to keep those two guys. I mean, if we're talking about these two guys, these are two guys that you are must haves. They are must haves, and, and make sure that you know whatever if they're starting or not, they do not leave this program. Those are two guys that are too good. They will be NFL guys. And Micah Morris, listen, Micah Morris is is wildly athletic, but he has the hands that will like it. Just, he moves people, like he moves people um Rudes also says backup center I think you have to go I think Blasky could be an option uh Griffin Scroggs could be an option there too I think Griffin out of Grayson was playing center I thought that's what Juan had said and maybe maybe somebody else um Kobe shaking his head a little bit maybe not who what would you who, who would you think Kobe who would you think um probably probably Blasky Probably, I, w- I would think he would be, um, you know, it, it, it just depends. I mean, it just depends how it all kind of shakes up. Um, you know, we were very fortunate last year that we were very healthy on the offensive line. We rotated a lot. We were very healthy, stayed healthy throughout the entire season, through the preseason, through the games. Um, you know, you look at a, a year ago before that, you, know, you lose Tate game one, like play three. And all of a sudden, you've completely upended your plan on on what your offensive line is going to look like. That was when you had Erickson, yeah. Because against Clemson, that's when you had Erickson play the right uh, play the right guard, and, and you were and you're trying to work and trust some, and like you just re- all of a sudden you realize that you didn't have a backup plan. And so I think that's the nice thing this past year has shown you is like, okay, we're going to rotate enough guys that we're going to have a good backup plan, and at some point. You know, I hope everybody in the starting five stays healthy all year, and I hope we're able to rotate because we're up big in some games. But, um, you know, I think that – I think Blast could be the backup at three positions. You know, he could be the sixth offensive lineman. He could be your backup either guard or your backup center. He could be, you know. Hell, he could even start at tackle. You never know. The kid's that good. He could play all five positions. And he's he's good enough to do it, but we'll, well, obviously this is why spring ball is so fun and exciting, right? Because you know you sit there. Well, it'll be through- really fun and exciting because they're going to put Van Pran will be one team center, 
and then whoever they deem possibly the backup center will have a line, whoever you say that is. And then Van Pran will probably get Mims so he can help him at left tackle. But then the other center probably is going to get both the guards. So the number two center will probably yeah, get both number one guards. You'll get fair. You'll get. Oh, so you're saying like the starting guards would get in the backup line? Mm-hmm. Just to, okay. Because it's because spring practice breaks down into you turn your team into two teams. Yeah. So like it'll it'll shuffle out weird. No, I got you. I, I, it makes sense though because you don't want. You don't want a genuine starting one lineup, starting two lineup. You want to kind of cohere, like, you know, blend them together so that way you get some cohesion from everybody, I would assume. Well, and it just helps, levels. like, it just helps people learn. So, like, you're taking Cedric Van Pran and you're putting him out there with two guards that, not that they don't know what they're doing, but, like, he can they help. Can use them. the assistance, yeah. And that's, and that, again, this is another reason why Cedric Van Pran coming back was so crucial. For this season, um, so Mitch, Mitch all day. Shout out, Mitch. Phil, uh, Phil to streams. Uh, asks, I want to see two things. He's talking about you know what his ex or what he wants to see for spring ball. Who's our quarterback and how our pass rush develops? Obviously, you know the quarterback competition is is going to be a, a huge storyline this entire right entire spring camp. Um, again, I, I've talked about it. I think it's Beck. But in my opinion, you know, in my opinion, Mitch, I think you're going to see these guys get equal reps. There's no reason not to believe it. But I do think that, um, you know, Beck is going to get every opportunity to start, right? I think that's the case. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, And as far as pass rush uh, development, you know, you've got these incoming guys. And I think this is why these early enrollees, right, the the fact that you get so many uh, recruits and commits, to uh, enroll early because now they, you know, instead of a traditional midsummer, they get to go through the experience of spring camp. You get a head start. And this is also something that George has just benefited from uh, in the past. So, you know, when you look at guys like Michael, we know Michael had a, I would say a great first year. Uh, now you look to build off that. Uh, you look at guys like Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, will he be able to play uh, in the, or participate in spring ball? We shall see. Um, but then you look at guys like Damon Wilson, Sam and Pemba, uh, you know, Gabe Harris, you got Darius Smith, Darius. See him maybe at some star as crazy as it sounds. Kobe, I'm gonna let you pontificate a little bit more here about, uh, Mitch's question about the pass rush development. What do you see out of that? Uh, I, I expect it to be pretty interesting as well. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? I think the big thing, Mitch, is kind of like where we were last year, like game six or game five. Um, you know, we'd only had like five sacks, six sacks the whole year. Um, and and I think a big part of that was the teams we were playing and how they were, you know, basically either throwing the ball away or, you know, running the ball on long third downs basically preventing us from having sack opportunities. I think the big question again will be, you know, like you look at Oregon. I think we had one sack against Oregon, maybe none. But they were also throwing the ball in under like 2.1 seconds every time they drop back for a pass. I mean, if you have teams take out your ability to like 
sack you by getting rid of the ball that fast. It also prevents the big plays you're trying to prevent, you know, those those um, super long third down conversions. And, yeah, like you're saying, we faced a lot of mobile quarterbacks. We faced a lot of teams at weird times that they didn't have necessarily their starting quarterback. I mean, I remember the Auburn game. They looked like they didn't know what they were doing because it wasn't their starting quarterback. It's a guy that was much more mobile. He was very mobile. He threw the ball away early. If he felt any disruption in the play, if all of a sudden he took his steps, checked first read, felt pressure, he was throwing the ball away. He wasn't taking the sack, but that was their game plan. Um, you know, I would really hope the first four games, again, they're going to be, you know, really easy-ish games, even South Carolina, I think. Um, it'd be great to, you know, come out with three sacks, four sacks, averaged a game through those four games, have 12, 13 sacks early on in the year. Um <sighs> I don't know if we'll throw for more touchdowns or record more sacks. I think we throw for more. The reason why I say that is because when when you look when you look at the quarterbacks that we're going to face, right? Like when you look at right, like Robbie Ashford. Robbie Ashford is going to do the same shit again this year. Just watch, like <laughs> just watch. Uh, Milton, you know Milton at Tennessee. I, I, I'm curious to see how that plays out, right? Uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, is more of a mobile quarterback, so he can ex- he can extend plays with his feet. You know, and, and I think this also is a good time to bring in what it, I, another storyline. I'm gonna try to transition this a little bit, and, and we'll go for it straight from it. Bobo, what is Bobo going to do offensively? Are we going to see more rushing? You know, are we going to see more rushing instilled? Are, you know, are we going to see the same kind of prolific passing, you know, utilizing yards after catch, right, and, and screens and all these things. Don't know. I don't know, but this is a good time to see what we're, you know, this this is what's going to happen over spring camp. We're about to find out. Um, I, I do I'm, think – I'm most excited about to find out over spring camp. What? Will the return of the elusive fullback? I don't see it. I don't see it. That's my prediction. We just – I mean, you're taking – I'm not saying an every down. I'm not saying every down. I'm not. But I'm saying I, what you're there saying will is, be a formation that we will jog out a little fullback and we're going to run the Bobo toss sweep. You just can't not do it. See, my problem is this, though. Last year would have been the perfect time to do that with Darnell. But you don't have a tight end like Darnell to do that. But I'm talking about I'm talking about a fullback that's like, you know, six foot, two forty five, and and you know is missing some brain cells. I'm not talking about the six eight, you know, rumbling, oh, stumbling. Yeah, guy. you're talking. Kobe is getting a chance to talk. This is this is about absurd, Juan. This is absurd. He just he was talking. <laughs> Oh my God, Juan! You should be here. I need I need that little sign, that little thing that says you should be here. This is Juan right now. Me to you, Juan. You should be here. Um, to be, but no, to be fair, Juan, I have like left twice to answer phone calls today, so shame on me. Holy grail, that shit. Shame. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, you know, I I just don't know if you do see a fullback. I, I get your point. 
because I mean, listen, give me some under center toss sweep, and yes, absolutely. No, Juan, you are lying. Juan, you're lying. Ninety percent me. Come on now, this this ain't paycheck out distribution. I don't even think we get a paycheck because well, J O Double G's you know doing her job, but uh, but no. In, in all seriousness, as we kind of get back to it though. Who who would you use? I mean, like, do you, do we have any candidates for this fullback, Juan? Uh, Juan, let us know if you think we got a fullback on board, Kobe. Who would you who would you use if you? If I you could, could I could find me a walk on that I would use. No doubt, Cash, not Cash Jones. No, I it's Cash not Jones big enough. Cash, no, um, um, I don't know. Uh, let me get back to you on that. Let me check the check the roster. This could get interesting, folks. We could have a candidate for fullback. Um, let me think. If I had to choose, just because we're we're here now, give me. Well, I, you're not going to see Branson Robinson do it, but even though you could, see, see, that you know what I mean. Get a two running back system, but I mean, damn, you're using, you know, you're looking at that situation, and I'm okay with it. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, now you got me thinking. I mean, Branson is a perfect choice there. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, but at the same time, though, you're not gonna. Dejon could too at fullback. Nah, you want Dejon. Dejon's too versatile a threat out of the backfield. But you put him at fullback, that'd be nerve. Ooh, we're gonna let Kobe do some digging here. I'm gonna keep, you know, I'm keep filibustering here a little bit. I'm trying to think as well in the meantime. Do you got somebody? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we would ever do this. But what I'm looking for is someone about the size of Chaz Chambliss. So about six, that 6'1", 6'2". He's 6'2", 250 pounds. I'd like him to be maybe like 245. But that, not, that's not, the range not the, I'm not looking the Bama for. Not the Bama 6'2", folks. Yeah, Legit 6'2". That's the range I'm looking for in my Who says who's a third-street linebacker? Oh, man. C.J. Washington. Give me C.J. Washington in there as a blocking fullback. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That'd be wild. It'd be fun to see. I'm not saying a ton of plays. I'm just saying. I, I think, you, know, I, you know what, though? You throw, you throw that out there. Some teams are going to shit themselves not knowing what the hell to do. Like, some people are going to freak out. I mean, what if? Well, no, you're not going to. What about Lawson Lucky? I mean, he's a little bit taller than your six two, 
but the question is, you got to find somebody that's going to be able to block like that, though. That's and that's that's another thing. You know what I mean? I mean, Chambliss now Chambliss will unfortunately get called for targeting. Uh, he he left a haunting presence uh, after that hit to Quorum. So I always get nervous whenever he's on the field and makes a tackle. I, listen, I thought that was clean, by the way. I'm just saying. Um, but no, I, you know, I, I do think it'll be interesting because you know you take a look at Bobo and what we saw found in the him. past. I found my walk on. Graham Collins, sophomore redshirt. He'll be a redshirt sophomore linebacker from Atlanta, Georgia. 6'2", 220. 6'2", 220. Graham Collins. You're my man, Graham. We're gonna, we're gonna, let's do this. And, and here's my, here's my backup to Graham. Oh, Kate Brock, friend. Oh, dude. DGD outdoors. Brock. Yep. Six Shout foot two fifty. That boy is stout. He's like a fire hydrant. I like both of those guys. We're gonna have to clip this and tag a minute. Let them know that we see we see the potential in y'all guys. I promise. Um, DGD approved, by the way. Hashtag DGD approved. Uh, but no, nonetheless, right? I, I do think if we're getting back in all seriousness, I, I think when you look at the potential for the wrinkles, right, that we're not used to seeing under Todd Munkin, influxing a mixture of Todd Munkin, because I do think that you're going to see some of that stuff stick around. It makes too much sense to do that. But I think Kirby also will allow Bobo to do some things. Um, you know, his, his offense was successful at Georgia, but when you have guys like Willie Martinez and Todd Grantham as your defensive coordinator, your defense just ain't where it needs to be. And now that your defense is where it needs to be, Maybe you see some of these things in, in Bobo we trust. Uh, that's just my thought. But ultimately, you know, I want to transition over to the defense now, Kobe, defensively. What, you know, what are some storylines that you think um, could be playing out throughout the spring? I honestly think, and I know this is terrible for content, but this is going to feel really good for people who haven't felt this way in a long time. I feel like every year, like 2020, um, the spring after 2020, we're all talking about, like, what's this defense going to be? It it gave up the most points in 2020 under Kirby Smart. You know, what's 2021 going to hold? Who's going to be playing? How good are we going to be? And then, lo and behold, we're the best defense ever. And then last offseason, we're like, wow. We were the best defense ever, but we just lost all those guys, five first-rounders. And now we're looking around going, well, who's going to replace that, That you know, production? Are, are we going to see a huge fall-off, you know, that we're not going to be as good defensively? Come back out, we're top-five defense, still probably maybe the second or third-best defense Kirby's ever had here. Um, you know, really phenomenal. Going to see some guys get drafted, but really bringing back a ton of, of production. I mean, you basically lost a safety, a corner, and a defensive lineman. But otherwise, you're returning, you know, four or five defensive linemen that were upperclassmen. You lost two linebackers in Nolan and Robert Beal. But you're bringing in, I mean, you have Michael Williams. You have a lot of youth there that's going to be really good. You still have Chaz. Um, you're returning basically all your interior linebackers. And at safety, you have 
guys in the fold that, you know, a guy that's a third string guy that's been an All-American. I mean, your DB room, your cornerbacks, Kirby and them have recruited so heavily. The, you know, you're talking about that one spot at O-line, that tackle spot's going to be a bloodbath. That other corner spot is going to be a bloodbath. Oh, there's some fucking dogs. I mean, I mean you, oh got, you got five legitimate cornerbacks fighting for that one spot. Oh, no doubt. That's again, this is so we have to look at this because it's inevitable. But when you take a look at the bodies that we have and the scholarship count, that means people will leave after this. Obviously, I wish we had a situation where we didn't have to let nobody to go. You know, and I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and make a prediction on who will and who won't. But this is this is imp- this is why this is important because you have that many quality, you know this you have that much quality there. How do you keep these guys going, right? Like the rotation, will it work? You know what I mean? Um, that's just my thoughts. Uh, and Rudes talks about surprise. I haven't mentioned the defense's transition to a four down front. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Kobe? Um. I would be interested to know, like, I haven't seen anything about that. So I'm a little little off. I mean, I understand that we do traditionally stay in four down, but, I mean, we still run a lot of, like, mint defense here at Georgia. So I'd be interested to know, like, you know. That's – and I I think you're – I think – I'd have, to do, I'd have to do some looking into that, Roots, because I didn't know that – or I'd be curious to know, like, have we officially said that we're, like, a four-down team? Yeah, all the time? I, mean, I still think you're going to see the mint front, though, man. I mean, when you when you take a look at it, there's no reason from a personal perspective to make me think otherwise, right? You know, you're having to replace Jalen Carter, but you've got – I mean, think about it. You've got so much interior talent there. You know that I, I think you could take a, you could really just throw a name out there and say that they can make they can take the step up to replace the production to some degree. I think Warren Brinson, if he becomes more consistent, or Nasir Stackhouse, Zion Logue, all these guys have the ability to do that. I mean, then you got guys like you know like Krista Miller, that I, I think serve if their second year, you know, second spring uh, goes well, that they could thrust themselves in there. Uh, you've got Bear Alexander last year that made a name for himself coming on extremely strong uh, last season. So you have Bear. You've got this. You know, you got the upperclassmen. Uh, I mean, you got Jordan Hall that I think could be in line to be one of the next guys. Uh, and then obviously, when it comes to situations like this, you also have Ja, right? Like, I mean, just a true, just massive behemoth type guy in the middle. Um, I, I think you're going to see the, the the same style defense. There's no reason to believe that uh, things will change. Uh, but I, I do see Ruth's point. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I mean, that's just my thought. You know what I mean? Because he says, uh, Ruth also says, uh, not officially said, and they still play men, but the starting formation, they play more than other fronts, is the four down. I mean, he's not wrong. I think you look at a base mint uh, four two five. Uh, four two five minute defense there, uh, but I think you look at situational uh, type football. 
uh, you're going to have, I think you can honestly see entire packages change depending on down and distance. Um, you know, when you look at guys like Jalen Walker could excel on third and medium third and long, uh, uh, Damon Wilson's another guy that you could throw in there uh, situationally as he gets into the system and things like that. Kobe, what, I mean, what do you, what do you think? I'll let you talk a little bit more since Juan wants to say that I talk too damn much. Um, what are your thoughts on the situation there to uh, to continue with? I mean, yeah, I'm 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 with Rudes. We definitely do play a lot of four down, um, and I think it just kind of depends on you know what you call it and what we show can differ depending on game plans from from week to week. Um, you know, and that definitely could be a little bit of a wrinkle that shoe and and must champ think put us in better situations against more teams, but. You definitely still, you still definitely have versatile outside linebackers. Um, you know, I mean, like we've talked about, Derek Smith is a is a freak athlete that you know he has the opportunity that he puts on some weight. He could be your next, you know, top fifteen pick at outside linebacker. I think um, if he does, he will be because that dude's just too physically gifted. You know, I think I think Michael definitely is much more of your traditional pass rusher. But he's also playing much more of your traditional, like hand in the dirt, um, lineman. He's not really playing like your Jack outside linebacker, kind of like what Nolan played. Um, and I think that's always been a thing, at least since I've been here with Kirby, is like you kind of have one guy that's like a bigger, um, kind of outside linebacker, defensive lineman mix. And then you always have a guy that's much more of your speed, um, kind of finesse guy that's going to get the sacks more often. You know, I even think back to like Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy. You know, like one guy's one guy's the power, one guy's the speed. You know, you think of Aziz. You know, he was he was a mixture of both. That's what made him so good. You know, he played that Jack linebacker. He had the power. He had the speed. Stuff like that. So, um. It, it'll just be interesting, you know, like like you're saying, you've lost Robert Beal and you've lost Nolan Smith. Um, you know, Chaz has gotten to play some. Michael's played a good mm-hmm. bit. But you need depth. It's something that you needed at that position last year after the injury. It'll just be interesting to see how the depth continues to kind of shake out for um, the springtime. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the good thing is you have so much – so much depth uh, really across the board along the defensive. I mean, there isn't a position on the defense that I'm not – I'm just not worried from a depth standpoint. Like, there's so much quality at every position. You can look at, you know, both corner spots. You know, both ends, I think you have good depth there. Interior, you have good depth. Safeties, I think, you know, obviously we're trying to figure out who's going to be the starter, but still that's another situation where you have some quality depth. But I want to take and make it a little bit different here now. I want to transition over to your expertise here, and that's the special teams. A lot of people are overlooking this. Jared Zirkle and Peyton Woodring could see a kicker battle. What are you thinking there? You think Zirkle or do you think Woodring? You think Zirkle? Why is that? Woodring's not here, right? Well, oh yeah, that's right. I, for some reason, I thought he was early rolling, but he's a midsummer guy, though. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And so and, and enjoy that. I mean, I don't care how bad. Like Zirkle, 
you know, shout out Zirkle. Um, you know, I know him pretty well. Unless he just absolutely goes like over in the spring, it's it's his job to lose. Come oh, yeah, see, I was about to say that gives him. With that being said, right now that we know that Woodring is not going to be here, this gives him every chance to solidify the spot. So if, I mean, my, I mean, I if he kicks, if he kicks eighty percent or better in the spring, it, it won't even be a question going into the summer. I think the biggest. The biggest question right now that I know of is they've talked about that they may want to do a kickoff specialist. So, like, they would have I a guy. Purely just for kickoffs. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, so, that, would, that would be nice because. Um, like, Camarda did it. I think Camarda is what really got them, like, thinking about it because, like, Rod was pretty good at kickoffs. Um, but then Camarda, when he was so good, like, elite. Like one of the best to ever do kickoffs ever. Oh, dude, he he it um, was always a touchback. It was an automatic touchback. I think he, I could be wrong. Landon, if you're watching this, let me know. Is Camarda still doing it for the Bucks? I don't remember. I think that. he, I think he is actually. Um, but it it definitely like then Pod and like Pod got better the farther along he went, but like it was just definitely obvious that like. Still, Camarda, somebody that only has to focus on kicking kickoffs, can you know really let that leg loose a little bit more versus your kickers trying to save a little juice in case you got to kick a long field goal later. So, from what I've heard, kickers, we're going to have both a, kickers are on uh, both kickers are on scholarship if, unless unless I'm known otherwise. Because I know Zirkle came in on scholarship. Woodring, yes. I think, got on scholarship. Yes. So, if in my theory. If you have two scholarship kickers, use them both. There's no reason not to. It'll be interesting. If you, if you can't, it's just hard can. to use a freshman. It is the bottom line. Woodring would just have to be so phenomenal, and not saying I mean, he, he won't. Be, but well, like, didn't he kick a sixty yarder in the state in the in the playoffs or something like that? Didn't he kick a sixty yard field goal or something like that in in Louisiana? I I don't know. I mean, and I agree. I mean, he may be. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know a lot about him. But yeah. I know that in high school you get to kick off a tee, you know, things like that. There's not as much pass rush, not as much. You know, there's a lot of things that kind of go into that. But, you know, at the end of the day, he'll get to be here in June just like anybody else, and he'll get to compete for a job. The problem is he just won't get all the com- competition reps over these next five weeks, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. No, I mean, I think – I mean – with that being said, you know, this is why enrolling early and being able to do so could really be beneficial for anyone coming out of high school because it gives you a jump start, gets you a head start uh, in your collegiate career, right? When you look at guys that don't come in early enrollee, right? If you think about it, and I'm not going to, I don't really want to try to do this, but I think it's kind of one of these situations where it's an example. You know, James Singletary. Right. If if you take a look at Jaheim coming in last year and now I understand kickers and all this shit, the kicker and corner is completely different. But the concept of coming in late compared to enrolling early and getting that spring practice. Right. That means more eyes on you from the coaching staff. That means right, understanding everything that you need. Hell, Jaheim comes in mid semester, right, midsummer, And then now he's gone, you know. I'm not saying that that's everybody's fate, but 
you know, that's an example, right? Of what happens if, what if Jaheim would have came in early? I mean, hell, you could see the same thing, but at least, you you know, I feel like you're going to see a situation um, where you get more opportunity to learn this, learn the playbook and, and get to show out and compete. I assume, yeah, I was about to say, I assume Michael means Brett Thorson. And he um, corrected himself. I, I don't see Thorson doing kickoffs. That would be surprising to me. I just know that, you know, he's all he's really ever done is punt, even like in Pro Kick Australia. But he, but maybe. I mean, they're definitely like, don't think it won't be something they work on in the spring. Well, but, I mean, I, I would assume so. What about long snapping, Kobe? It's 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 done. It's um, the guy that did long deep snapping. William Moat is back, and he'll um, take over for short snapping field goals as well. And he did yeah. some of those towards the end of last season as well. So long snapping, there won't even be a a job open at either at either snap. He has that. So I think I think punter. I mean, punter, they may look at a little bit, but punter's pretty closed, I would say. And, like, long snapping is 100% closed. Kicking, I would say, is the most open, um, with kickoffs being probably wide open, if I had to rank them. I see I see. Pat's ask, Project Pat's asking me where the visor is. Listen, I bring this out on special occasions. Maybe I should have thought about this. Could could you know preview in spring camp be a special occasion? Maybe, but you know you got to save yourself, right? You got to make the visor count. So I'm just saying, Joe Huff working today, but wanted to say great show. Abs- hey man, thanks for the support there. Thanks for the kind words. Ru- I feel like Rudes and Project Pat here are joining, jumping on Kobe right now um, for not being here Friday, man. I- Guys, I-, I I can't help you. All right, I can't help you. Um, he's here now, though, so sulk in it, right? Bask in the glory, if you will. Kobe, I want to ask you this. What, from your side, obviously we've talked a lot about the storyline so far, but what? give us a run-through of what spring camp's like. I mean, we, we hear about it, right, but you're not going to see it. But ultimately, what is it like, you know, what is spring camp like? It – um. And, and, you know, we talked to Tate about it a little bit and, and Ryland when we talked to them about when the worst part of the year is. And to me, this is always, in my opinion, spring is the worst time of year because it's it's three days of practice. It's still six days a week. So it's three days of practice, three days of meetings um, for five weeks. And it, it just feels like it's never going to end. Because you're still working out, you're still doing all these things like it's not your, um, like it's not having practice going on. Like they probably had workouts today, like heavy squat, stuff like that. And then they're going to expect you to go out and do a two and a half hour practice tomorrow. And then you're going to come in on Wednesday and do heavy bench and meet and do things. It just feels like you never leave the facility. And then at the end of the week, at the end of the five weeks, like you get to have the spring game, which great, you know, ton of fun. But like, it's not like having an actual game. So to me, it's the most work with the least reward that you do um, 
all season. So. so I feel like I feel like though when it comes to when it comes to G Day itself though, like this year it might be a situation where for the most part like this could be the most competitive game format that we see this semester or this year though. I mean like when when you look at our schedule, I'm kind of joking, but at the same time I'm somewhat not joking because our, our schedule just isn't that strong. And when you take a look at Georgia on Georgia, I, I think that's more of a matchup than held most of our matchups on the in the regular season. So from a fan's perspective, I'm looking forward to it because you're going to see good on good. I mean, we, we've uh, we've come to the I think we could say we've come to the conclusion that anytime Georgia goes against itself, it's going to be good versus good that we're just that deep now. Um but, you know, aside from right, aside from the five weeks of hell, basically, you know, not only physically, right? I think you look at mentally because of the fact, like we said earlier, Bobo's going to be installing the the new offensive playbook for what it's worth, right? And I think we'll fans will have to wait patiently to see how that goes. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe the verbiage stays the same, but what if there's some new install? Right. What if there's, you know, different things like that? Um, I, I don't know if you can answer this from personal experience or not, but from an offensive uh, and defensive perspective, is there a lot of install uh, that goes on during this time? Like a ton. That's of all. That's all this is, is install. OK, this is literally um, five weeks of install. So ultimately, it's just in, I mean, obviously they they schedule it the way they do. But like typically with install, you're you're sitting there going through, you know, a few plays at a time, potentially, you know, I, I would say maybe per day you could look at maybe a handful of plays to install and, and just rep out, I would assume. Now, I'm sure – and this is another thing, like going back to me, and I know it's a different, completely different level, but like, you know, as you go through install and, and really things like that right there, you have walkthrough, you have, right, then you have, like, half speed and, and speed it up, things like that. Is that go on the go figured out? Say that again, you kind of broke up there. Well, so, so for instance, like, when you're doing install, right, like, in the, in, in the spring and into the summer and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. you sit there when you're installing and you're really trying to grasp the offense. For me, you were sitting there walkthrough situations. You would walk through it, rep it, but so even at half speed, and then you would go full speed, and then you would just rep it that way. From a Georgia perspective, is it walk through to you know full speed, or is it just full speed, fix it on the fly? I would assume you'd see a walk through, but I mean I might be wrong. Well, so what they'll do is they'll they'll install it in meetings for you know X amount of time, and then pre-practice you always have a thirty-minute pre-practice walk where you like go over install and then um, practice, like you do stretch and stride and practice begins. And then like during practice, you would like be using the plays, stuff like that. So. Gotcha. I was just curious. Cause I mean, you'll you'll basically install your whole, mm, I'd say at least three fourths, if not all of your defense and pretty similarly to the offense at this point. Um, and then you'll, by the time G Day happens, you'll have almost all of it installed. And then you'll take a month off and you'll come back in June and you'll just work out in June. But then in July, 
you'll start install again and you'll basically reinstall everything again so yeah. you install things like two to three times a year just for like your own well, mind. some for as i say some of it's from a refreshing standpoint some of it's just you 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 understand it but then you know when it comes down to a game plan right uh you know specifically i remember tate you know tate and ryland had mentioned uh tcu when monken opened up the playbook you know i think that's interesting to hear because like like you know like um the fact that you have them opening up that much install during the week of that is just insane to hear but I, i'm curious to see though too because like at at g day you know we we always we always feel as if you know we see a vanilla style game but it's by design correct well yeah i mean i wouldn't say it's that vanilla i would say it's just the fact that like you're not trying to throw the ball all over the yard a lot of times like more times than not you're trying to like run the ball you're trying to be physical trying to tackle you know have good run fits you'll throw the ball some like i think we threw the ball more last year than i can remember in recent history and then depending on like what game and what day it is like i remember a year in like 2017 um spring of 2017 like i had nick and sony on my team for the spring game and like i think nick ran the ball twice and sony ran the ball three times and then they didn't have another play the rest of the spring game. Like, we put in the third string running back. So, like, yeah. that's part of it, too, is, like, you know, the guys that you're 100% about aren't going to get a ton, a ton of reps in the game. Like, you're repping guys that, that you're like, okay, can this guy be a player for us? Okay, can this guy be a starter for us? Okay, can this guy be a backup? Can he be somebody we depend on, somebody that travels? Or uh, he's still maybe a year away. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, I think, what you know, as we get ready to wrap this up, I do think right, there's a lot to look forward to, right, in these five weeks, offensively, defensively, right? Uh, you know, these position battles that we, you know, we talked about Friday, a little bit here today, but, um, you know, there's going to be a lot to look into and kind of understand that what, you know, what goes on, um, you know, in these practices, and then obviously culminating at G day. <clears throat> and then, you know, there's a little bit of a dead period before the summer, but the ultimately the, I do want to end on saying, Hey, you know, it might not be, it might not be fall football, but football is football and football is about to be back. And it's, it, you know, like I said, it might not be, you know, it might not be full on, but I'm just going to say, you know, when you hear, I'm assuming pads will be popping here. So, they can do the right if i'm not mistaken you know spring practice you can you can still hit just maybe not the first practice you probably won't see it but probably the first two first two will probably be helmets only then after that it'll be on well yeah i mean it just doesn't make sense to go straight into full pads or anything like that or even shells so i mean yeah i mean obviously and like you said install like your offensive line defensive line it don't really matter (laughs) offensive line and defensive line it just don't matter um any final takeaway, sir, before we wrap this thing up? Go dogs, fellas. I'm ready for spring spring practice to start. Pro days this week. Oh, Baseball's, pro days Wednesday, too. So, baseball's at home this week. Speak, speaking of, I'm, I'm kind of upset that 
that Georgia baseball isn't ranked yet. But I feel like if they, you know, we we have, and we're going to transition to a little bit of baseball talk right here because I feel like it's needed. Uh, what twelve and four on the season? Connor Tate, dog. Uh, I mean, you're you're watching uh, Condon as well, hitting the ball extremely well, pitching a lot better than last year. But I do think we still need to see a little bit of, bit a little bit more production and some consistency there. Um, just won the series against Charleston Southern. I really wish that we would have seen the sweep there. I mean, because they absolutely they mercy ruled in the first doubleheader game. If but, you if you sweep, if you sweep them, and if you probably sweep Princeton, I would say you're ranked right now. If you're, would you say we were twelve and four? If we were four, I think so. Yeah, two, you're probably like twenty second. Well, I mean, because and this is where it gets interesting. Right now, you look at the the game. I mean, won the series against Georgia Tech which I think that's probably our best series so far. Um, but I wish we would have swept Georgia Tech. It's obviously Georgia Tech. But when we look at what's about to come up this weekend, folks, you got a game. Well, you got a game against Wofford tomorrow. And then after that, you wait to the Friday night, you know, the Friday night three header uh, against um, against South Carolina to open up conference play. And that is going to be a damn good series because uh, – South Carolina is, I feel like they're already clicking. Uh, they are hitting really well. And, I mean, it's crazy to see this, but I don't know if you saw this, Kobe. Nine teams in the SEC are ranked in the top 25 of D1 baseball right now. Yeah, six of them it's, in the top eight. Yeah, no, six of the top ten. Well, it I, think, be, I think it was. Maybe last week it was no, six they, of the top eight. Well, they updated, yeah, they updated it this morning. If I'm not mistaken, six out of the top ten. Our SEC. Pretty impressive. Nuts. Because I mean, you got LSU. We'll see. LSU, uh, Florida, uh, Tennessee, Old Miss. I think those four are the four out of the top five, folks. Literally, Wake Forest is the only team non-SEC in the top five. Vanderbilt at six, by the way. <laughs> like, it's it's insane. But, uh, listen, I mean, when you look at it, though, man, like, the baseball team is clicking right now. Uh, you know, I, I felt like Jalen pitched pretty well on Fridays. He's doing well as a Friday pitcher. Uh, just want to see – I just want to see this kind of transition as we go into conference play again, man. I think that's going to be the key. Um, you know, Collins, I think, needs to be more consistent in conference play. But, I, you know, obviously I feel, I feel optimistic about the season. We got a schedule ahead of us, folks. Because a lot of those teams that are ranked right now, we're about to play serious with them here uh, through conference play. So, I know, I know. I mean, starting. Think about this: you start off a three-game series against uh, South Carolina, and you end on a three-game series against the number one team in the country at LSU. So, from start to finish, it's going to be it's going to be a bloodbath in the SEC. But there's a good listen. There's a good chance for these Diamond Dogs to make it. You know, you know, into regionals and things like that on their way to Omaha. I think there's, I, I still feel like there's a decent chance. We'll see. Just gonna leave that there, though. Uh, Pat also says, "Listen, we're not talking about the World Baseball Classic, but Mexico just demolished Team USA last night." I don't know yeah, if you watched that. I don't know if you saw that or not, but no. yeah, Mexico beat the fuck out of USA last night, seven or like eleven five or something like that. Gotcha. Other than that, yeah, though, I'm about to get out of here. I think that that's a good time for us to call it a day, folks. Tune in next show. I think we're going to talk some uh, pro day. 
Uh, Pro Day is Wednesday. Uh, with that being said, have a great day, Brigade. Thank you for coming in hot and heavy throughout the show. With that being said, have a good day. Go dogs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.